Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to stories of discipleship and the exploration of how we can put Scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I serve as Communications Director of the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, a network of about 800 churches throughout Kansas and Nebraska. I'm a certified lay minister in the United Methodist Church with more than 25 years of experience teaching the Bible to people from pre-teens to 90-somethings. I'm passionate about what the Bible has to teach us and about the ways people live out their faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining me. It takes a lot of guts to speak up for something you believe in. I've had my opportunities to do so over the years, mostly via newspaper columns and editorials for the newspapers I served in my first career with the parent company of USA Today. When it comes to speaking up, I've held to four concepts that I used to share with college students that I would interact with as a guest lecturer each semester. First, I think you have to know what you're talking about. Second, I think you have to know how to take advantage of a platform. Third, I think you have to have real passion behind what you say. And finally, you have to have a knack for drawing people's attention. Without those four elements, you might have something to say, but the reality is it likely falls on deaf ears. Well, we're continuing a sermon series on the book of Acts, and we're treating it like it's a sequel to the Gospel of Luke, because that's what scholars largely believe. In our last episode, we talked about how Jesus taught a few things even as he ascended to heaven, the final one being that we have to stop looking up at the clouds and get to work teach about eternal life for believers in Jesus Christ, and to teach about love for others as a way of ushering in the kingdom of God on earth. And along the way, we're going to learn what the book of Acts has to teach us about what the early church did then that could benefit us today. And in this episode, we're going to explore how the early church's members spoke boldly about what they believe. But to get us started, I thought we should look at a few examples of how people have spoken boldly just in our nation's history. And then we'll see a great example from Scripture. In each case, the people that we're going to talk about in this episode knew what they were talking about. They knew how to take advantage of whatever platform they had available to them. They had passion. And they had a knack for drawing people's attention. Let's start at the birthplace of our nation with Thomas Paine. Thomas Paine wrote many political pamphlets in favor of revolution from the British colonies in the 18th century. His task was pretty focused. He wanted to point out injustices from the crown in England and wanted people to stand up for self-governance in a democratic society. The most famous of his pamphlets probably was one that you've heard of called Common Sense. It used plain language. It challenged the authority of the monarchy. And in a country that at the time only had two and a half million people, it sold more than 100,000 copies. In it, he wrote this famous sentence, the cause of America is in a great measure the cause of all mankind. And he helped spur a revolution. Next, let's jump to the 1950s into a woman named Rosa Parks. This is an example of someone who spoke up with their actions. She simply chose not to give up her seat on a bus on December 1st, 1955 in Montgomery, Alabama to a white person. 
You see, she was seated in what was called the colored section, toward the back of the bus. But laws at the time mandated that if the white area was full, then white people got to choose a seat in the colored area and basically forced folks out of their seats. Rosa Parks' actions eventually led to a boycott of the bus system in that city, which eventually forced changes in segregation on public transportation. A decade later, someone stood up for the benefit of older and disabled Americans. You may not know his name, but Nelson Cruikshank was an important person in American history. Nelson was a Methodist minister, and he spoke out in favor of a safety net for disabled persons and for health care for the older folks in society. Specifically, he spoke out for Social Security for people with disabilities and health insurance for the elderly. If you're on Medicare right now, you owe a lot to Nelson Cruikshank. He was the chief architect of that legislation that led to the health system that so many senior citizens use for their health care. Here's one person that I just learned about in the past week. It's a white man named Denny Abbott. Denny was a children's detention official in Alabama in the 1960s. He would drop off children considered to be delinquent, and black children near Montgomery, Alabama were taken to the Alabama Industrial School for Negro Children. Its nickname was Mount Meggs. He spoke out about deplorable conditions and outright abuse at the facility to his superiors for years. But they didn't care. They didn't care because the people who were being harmed were children, black children. But Denny, the white father of daughters of his own, couldn't stand for that anymore. And so finally he stood up and he spoke up. Later, he led two lawsuits against the very State Department that employed him, and he finally broke the cycle of violence at Mount Meggs. Basically, I think you could argue that he helped stop the cycle of slavery in the 1970s. This past Sunday, April 23, 2023, was known as Native American Ministry Sunday in the United Methodist Church. And so I think it's appropriate that if we're going to talk about people who have spoken up, that we should share brief stories, two of them, one indigenous man and one indigenous woman, from right here within the boundaries of the Great Plains Conference, which is Kansas and Nebraska. So I want to introduce you first to Eliza Lida Burton Conley. She was a member of the Wyandotte tribe who was the first Native American woman to argue a case in the U.S. Supreme Court. And that was in 1906. She was fighting against desecration of the Huron Indian Cemetery in downtown Kansas City, Kansas. She fought valiantly for it, but she lost the case. But, as luck would have it, State Senator Charles Curtis, who later became the first Native American vice president under Herbert Hoover in our nation's history, Curtis helped pass a law to protect that very cemetery. But it started with Lida Burton Conley. And then someone you're maybe more familiar with, Chief Standing Bear. Standing Bear was a Ponca chief from along the Niobara River, which we know as Nebraska. His people were forcefully removed from their Nebraska lands because of what amounts to a clerical error. Whether it was on purpose or not is a point for debate. But anyway, it gave the land to another tribe, and his tribe was forced out. 
Standing Bear continued to speak out, and he fought for his case in court. He successfully argued that Native Americans are people under the law, which sounds absolutely absurd in the 21st century, but that was the reality of the times, and unfortunately it's still a reality for some people even today. Anyway, Standing Bear won back the land for the Ponca tribe, and he spent his later years traveling the East Coast educating people on the rights being taken from indigenous peoples. Standing Bear spoke out. Now what do each of those people have in common? Besides each of the things that got them to speak out happened right here in the United States, the reality is each of these people, through their words and or their actions, hit all four of those elements that I shared earlier. They knew what they were talking about. They took advantage of a platform. They had passion. And they had a knack for drawing people's attention. The reality is there are numerous other examples by many other people but I want to shift our focus to an example from Scripture. This passage comes right after the arrival of the Holy Spirit, which we won't address until Pentecost later in May. But needless to say, people are excited in this passage. They're speaking languages that they've never even learned before. People are understanding what they are saying. And people are learning, most importantly, about Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. Let's look together at Acts chapter 2, verses 29 through 42. Brothers and sisters, I can speak confidently about the patriarch David. He died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this very day. Because he was a prophet, he knew that God promised him with a solemn pledge to seat one of his descendants on his throne. Having seen this beforehand, David spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he wasn't abandoned to the grave, nor did his body experience decay. This Jesus God raised up. We are all witnesses to that fact. He was exalted to God's right side and received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. He poured out this Spirit, and you are seeing and hearing the results of this having done so. David didn't ascend to heaven. Yet he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right side until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet. Therefore, let all Israel know beyond question that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the crowd heard this, they were deeply troubled. They said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Change your hearts and lives. Each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God invites. With many other words, he testified to them and encouraged them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized. God brought about 3,000 people into the community on that day. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. You no doubt remember Peter. I sometimes refer to him as the ready-fire-aim disciple. Poor Peter, his heart's in the right place, but sometimes he speaks or acts before he thinks. Can anybody out there relate to that? I think I can at times. But that seems to be, for the most part, the old Peter. He seems to have embraced the concept that the angels taught the disciples when Jesus ascended to heaven, which we talked about in the last episode. That idea of 
stop looking up at the clouds and get to work. And Peter is getting to work. And like those examples I shared a few moments ago, he's speaking boldly. I want you to think about it for a minute. Let's run through those four points. Peter knew what he was talking about. He was a Jew, and he understood the significance of King David. And so he tied King David to Jesus. He had been a witness to all that Jesus had said and done during his ministry on earth. Next, Peter took advantage of a platform. People could hear him in their own languages. Now, some people accused them of being drunk, but then they would have just been spouting off gibberish. Instead, he uses the gathering crowd, the people who were curious, to share about who Jesus really was, about how he was killed, and about how the Holy Spirit is a gift for all people. Next, Peter had passion. Remember, Peter was a fisherman, so he likely wasn't too educated. He likely was a fairly simple fellow. But here he is speaking with authority. He was so passionate that people were troubled by what he said. They clearly heard what he said and they believed him. People are asking him, what should we do? And he urges people to change their hearts and minds. Finally, Peter had a knack for drawing people's attention. He speaks out for them to be saved from this perverse generation. And it says that 3,000 people were baptized into the community of faith that day. That's pretty amazing. Do you think you can do that? I think more people can than think they can. I think there's some folks that think there's no way that they could do what Peter did, but I think that is discounting what God's capable of. I think it's not allowing the Holy Spirit to do its job in your life. I have no doubt that some of the people who are listening to this episode, well, you know what you're talking about. Jesus influenced your life in some way. You may not know book, chapter, verse, and you know what? That's okay. That is what Google is for, folks. Peter shared a little history, but he only shared what everyone knew. It wasn't some deeply researched and rehearsed information. He mostly told his story, what he saw, the things he knew by walking along the countryside with Jesus for three years. So I have three simple words for you. Tell your story. You can't get it wrong. Next, I think you know how to take advantage of a platform. Because you know what? You do it every day. Unless you've never told anyone about a book you've read or a movie you've seen or something that's happened to you. Well, we talk and share details all the time about our lives. Why not talk about Jesus? I also suspect that most of you out there have passion. You care deeply about people. You care about some cause. You care about an organization. And I bet you're amazingly loyal to those folks, to those institutions. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you have passion. The things that you care about, where you spend your money, where you spend your time, that's your passion. And I also bet most of you have a knack for drawing people's attention. You've shared stories with each other. You've shared meals with people. 
you've given people insight into your life in some way, shape, or form. You can draw people's attention. Now, don't get me wrong. We might not all be a Thomas Paine pushing for revolutionary ideas, or we may not have a seat to give up on a bus. We may not have a monumental idea for legislation that will aid millions upon millions of people. But we can stand up for justice, for people who are marginalized, the lowly in our society, like Denny Abbott, who helped stop abuse of black children. We can speak up when we see people wronged like the Ponca people were. Thankfully, they had standing bare. Is there someone out there who needs us? And we can provide a voice for the voiceless like Lyda Burton Conley, who sought to prevent desecration of a Native American cemetery. Unfortunately, there are lots of people who have no voice in today's world. So I pray the Holy Spirit will move among and through all of us as it did for those members of the early church. May we speak boldly with our words and actions as followers of the risen Christ. In Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you like what you've heard in this episode, please go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps others find us. And if you're so inclined, please share the link to this podcast on your social media channels. Our music and sound effects come via subscriptions to Universal Production Music and to Storyblocks. You can find archived episodes on the conference website at www.greatplainsumc.org podcasts or on my website, toddseifert.com. Please email me with any questions or comments to tseifert at greatplainsumc.org and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thank you for listening. And until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.